Welcome to the Harnessing Happiness podcast. Upbeat vibes generated and transferred to you. Now here's your host, Sarah J. Naylor. Hello and welcome to Harnessing Happiness with myself, Sarah J. Naylor. Thank you, as always, for stopping by and taking time to listen to my podcast. As you know, I really appreciate it and love knowing that you are all over the globe. But I have with me today somebody from sort of over the pond in the United States, <laughs> a chap called Steve, who he's going to introduce himself because, as you know, I always like my guests to introduce themselves because they do it so much better than I do. So over to you, Steve. Please do take centre stage and introduce yourself to my awesome listeners. Steve Lovelace. I'm uh, from Edmond, Oklahoma, in the United States, and if you dropped a pin in the almost dead center of the U.S., you would come very close to hitting Edmond. It's just a nice, quiet suburb here in uh, of Oklahoma City. I'm married for 19 years, coming up on 19 years now, and I've got two boys, Jackson and Baron, one 17 and one 15, two great kids. And kind of my claim to fame is that I was uh, one of the very first paratriathletes ever to do a triathlon back in 1986, something that I would not actually discover until late last year when I was doing some research on paratriathlon. So I'd had this hidden history for all these years, and now I'm just out telling it my story because it truly has more meaning now uh, with my feet than it did in the first place. Yeah, that's amazing then. So you did all that that time ago, but had no concept as to the legacy that you, you created. So I think, in all reality, maybe it's best to give a little bit of backstory to that. Please do share with my listeners, Steve. I suppose there's two parts to this, isn't there? It's the story that led you to actually being and doing and achieving all that in 1986, but equally so, how it took you so long to discover this fact as well. So there's there's two parts to this story. So uh, the abridged version of, you know, before the triathlon, I was 20 years old. I was living on my grandparents' farm and I was cutting firewood as I was going to college to make a little bit of extra money. And being a 20-year-old kid, I was bulletproof. I knew everything that I was doing. I was safe beyond measure. But cutting trees just happened not to be my forte on uh, one particular day, November 30th, 1982, cutting down a large hackberry tree. Friend and I, the tree had split, and we continued cutting on this tree. And eventually what happened is the two halves slammed together on me, pinning me to the ground. I immediately knew I was in some big-time trouble. End result of what that tree did was it fractured my face basically down the middle, uh, my forehead, my roof of my mouth, my mandible, lost a couple of teeth, ended up crushing my left wrist, bruised my heart, and imploded three lumbar vertebrae, L3, 4, and 5. And then somewhere, (laughs) as I'm kind of getting back around to what had just happened to me, I realized that I was paralyzed below the waist which was big shocker. So I'm in the hospital for three and a half months. It took me that long to just get to the point where I could even shuffle across the floor. But I told everybody going into the hospital that I was going to walk out of the hospital and I managed to walk. It was about four steps, but you know, I kept to my word. The paralysis was in my case, it was temporary. Thank goodness. Another three and a half months into a uh, rehabilitation center. And then I'm kind of thrown out onto my own to do my own thing as far as physical rehabilitation. I could still barely shuffle across the floor. I was not very strong. I'd lost about 60 pounds in the hospital. So I was still trying to gain all this muscle and all this strength back. Somewhere along the line of between 83 and 85, I started running 
uh, eventually, and I started lifting weights. I started getting myself back into physical shape, and I had always been in sports, so this was something that was very important to me was to build myself back. I find a triathlon on TV one day, and it was 1985 in October. It was the World Championship Ironman Triathlon, and I'm watching Julie Moss crawl across the finish line, and I could feel the struggle that she was going through because I had just been through that myself with my accident. I did not know what a triathlon was, but I said, I'm going to do this. So I <laughs> did. It was a spur of the moment. You, 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 were, you were aiming for the, sort of the, the Ironman triathlon in the first instance. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> no. Aim high. I always like a bigger picture. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I did find a triathlon that was going to be happening in June. Uh, so I had about seven months to prepare. And I started training. I went out and bought a used bike. I started riding. I got my lifeguard certification. I started swimming. The triathlon came and I lined up on the day of triathlon. I had not finished any single distance except for the run, perhaps, doing a couple of 10Ks. But I was determined that I was going to start and I was going to finish that race. Jump in the water, do the swim, get off, do the bike, and then here comes the run. And this was a, a big eye-opener for me because my legs were just jelly getting off the bike after riding. This was a quarter Ironman, so 25 miles roughly, 40K. I'm on the run. Uh, at one point, I had to jump off into the woods and take a bio break. And as I come out, I see the sweep vehicle behind me. So I'm now officially the last person in this race as i round the corner to the the stage they're actually doing the presentation they halt the presentation and they say give the last athlete a round of applause i cross the finish line to a massive round of applause but nobody knew what i'd just done it was just all up in here i'd done this for me i hadn't done it for attention i hadn't done it to say you know i was this that or the other many years go by after this i continued doing triathlon and, and racing bikes and it was not until covid that I decided to do some research on paratriathlon. I was just curious as to, you know, who the first were. And what I discovered was the gentleman that was first, his name was Pat Griscus, and he was an amputee. He did several Ironmans and many, many triathlons. He's the first documented. But after that, there was like almost a decade where there was nothing in print. There was nothing online about anybody having done a triathlon. And all of a sudden, a bell goes off. It's just like, could this possibly be true that I'm like the second person to be documented as a paratriathlete and the first with a spinal cord injury. I was left with a, a deficit in my left leg after the accident. You know, I came to discover this fantastic news and I reached out to Triathlete Magazine. They did a small article on me last year and now it's just kind of got a groundswell. I'm doing podcasts and I, I do appreciate the opportunity to tell you my story. No, appreciate you sharing it. Thank you. It's just really, it's starting to resonate with everybody. And for so long, I just kept it to myself and maybe close friends and family that, oh, hey, yeah, I used to do triathlon and it's a great sport and I still promote it. But it wasn't until I, you know, figured out that I was amongst the, the original pioneers of the sport that it just kind of set everything off to where I am now. Wow. So, you know, when you did that then back in 1986, when you did that race, that triathlon. So did you just enter as a, as a sort of a 100% sort of able-bodied that wasn't actually registered as a, with your disability, you know, say disability, because obviously, I mean, there's so many different sort of levels, aren't there, in terms of four paratriathletes and things like that. You different sort of the disabilities, whether it's amputee or arms or sight or anything like that. So what, what level would you have been given and were you given anything or did nobody know at all at that time and you just literally entered it 
because it was a race. Yeah, it was just mainly me entering. I only recently started competing against disabled athletes or challenged athletes, if you will. 2015. Before that, I was always entered as an able body. And in, in 1986, there was no Americans with Disability Act. So I had no right to actually be out there or to say that I had a right to be there. I was honestly afraid to tell the organizers because they may have seen me as a liability and not allowed me to compete. So I went completely under the radar I've never been defined by my disability or by my accident. It's it's a central theme in my life, but it does not define me. It does define how I live my life. And so I never really go out there with my flag saying, hey, look at me. I, I'm disabled and I, I'm doing this because I've never been an attention seeker. I'm just not that guy. I mean, a little too humble for that. But yeah, I guess now you are sort of changing that around because you have got this story and although you have that humble nature by the very nature of what you have done and what you have achieved if you don't talk about it you can't inspire other people so there's a flip side to that really and which is obviously now you are talking about it and it's not so much a I am I am I am it's that setting intentions is it if you went into the hospital you decided that I will come out I will walk and you've pushed and you've pushed and you've pushed and as I said you saw that iron man and go right I'm going to do that <laughs> Right, right. Not, oh, I can't do it. (laughs) What do I do to be able to do it? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. A lot of the reason that I'm doing this is for my kids. Uh, It's kind of a legacy for them that, you know, to follow that, hey, nothing is insurmountable. If if you set your goal and you continue to work towards that, uh, what I found and discovered in my life is that a series of small moves put together made a great thing happen. And I want them to know that just chipping at things bit by bit, you know, you can eat an elephant one bite at a time. And that's just the way you have to see the world. It's not as impermeable to your ability to get something done as much as it's, I'll figure a way around it, under it, over it, or through it. But I'm going to get to my no, goal. No, absolutely. It's bite-sized chunks, like you've said. Cause, and it's, it, it, there's two ways of looking. Sometimes some people get bogged down because they've got this bigger picture. But as you break it down into the bite-sized chunks, and as you say, you sort of eat it <laughs> one at a time, and you you get there, you create it one at a time. But sometimes some people need to chunk it back up. It's the Meta Milton model. And you have to sort of, one way you look at it one way, but other times some people are so in the detail they can't see the bigger picture okay put all those together and let's have a look at what that actually looks like so it could be well we'll do a bit of this we'll do a bit of that we'll do a bit of the other well don't just focus in on doing the little bit over here and in that corner on the left hand side let's stitch all those bits together and see what you can create when you've actually got it all but when you see things and you you believe in yourself and you've got that self-ability to have that intention I think you know one thing I've learned with a lot of the people that I've spoken to whilst doing the podcasts is that the very that intention that the power of setting that intention of deciding what it is that you want to do whatever it is whatever it looks like and as you've said nothing is unsurmountable if you want to do it enough it's becoming solution focused outcome thinking it's looking at it sort of well how can I look at this differently how can I change my behavior how can I do something so that I will get the results that I want so before it all happened then so were you were quite were you quite a sporty person generally then before the accident at 82 oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, I played golf. I ran track. I played basketball. I played baseball. The one sport that I didn't play that I wanted to play was football. (laughs) My mom was just not wanting me to get injured. And we were relatively, don't want to say poor, but we were way down on the line from a, a, a standpoint of, you know, fiscal means. And getting hurt meant hospital, meant bills. And so we did a lot of the non contact sport. But I, yeah, I did everything. I mean, 
just crazy. She didn't counter in trees then, did she? No, you know, <laughs> that was 20 years old. You know, I've, I've got control of my life. So let me do this on my own with no knowledge whatsoever. Now I probably would have YouTube something and figured out how to notch it just right. And, you know, all this, but this was a fluke thing. It happens frequently in the logging industry and it's very, very dangerous. Yeah. So was it a big, tr- I mean, I'm trying to visualize. I mean, obviously for the benefit of the listeners, they won't see the visuals. It was nearly 30 to 36 inches across. It was a big tree. So yeah. What about height? Was it a really, was it, was it a tall tree? Yeah, it was, it was best. And the, the, the ironic thing about this whole situation, the tree was in the middle of a wheat field in the middle of country. And I, I was trapped in it for two hours before they cut me out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, I mean, that, that there was no street address. There was no GPS. The ambulance was just kind of circling. And we had somebody out at the road. We were basically half a mile into this one-mile section of land. And they're trying to flag down the, the ambulance. And, yeah, it was just there were a lot of things that happened that, you know, are great details for a book. But <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, are you writing a book? Are you doing a book? I'm actually, yeah, I've, I've made notes of it. Um, I did not do very well in English, <laughs> my native tongue. Well, you, can always have an, you can always have an editor. I know a very good one yeah. who worked on mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, I've, I've got a great story, and I can go all the way back to day one and to now, and, and it's pretty compelling. It's a, My life kind of reads like a Greek tragedy, you know, roller coaster, and it's, oh, it's wow. up and down. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, I still, you know, like we had said earlier on, it's like when life's going to give you lemons, uh, you know, you kind of got to turn things around. And and I've done the best with it that I think I could do and uh, maintain a positive attitude despite, you know, the constant pain that I'm in and. Yeah, I was going to say, where does it leave you now? So obviously you, you, you had the accident, you trained, you, you raced, you continued to race. Where has it left you in terms of, as you say, pain and what sort of disabilities do you have now as a result of that? Or do, have they always been with you or has it changed over the years? And what do you do now? I mean, do you still race or do you work? But now obviously going to getting into international podcaster <laughs> and all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, so I now have a disease called arachnoiditis. It was caused by the accident or it could have been caused by I had a spine fluid leak and I had bacterial meningitis any one of those things could have caused it for me it's chronic inflammation of the arachnoid tissue that surrounds the spinal cord it's very very painful there's no cure most people are on copious amounts of medication to deal with it I took the stance to get off all the medications it was just a lifestyle choice and I just deal with the pain The way that I deal with it is through exercise, which is recommended. I ride my bike, I swim, I can't run anymore because basically the disease has uh, given me more paralysis below the waist. Uh, I've lost most of the function below the knee, so I wear bilateral AFOs to get around and and to ride my bike. I love swimming because I I was a former lifeguard and, you know, it's part of the triathlon. and, And this year I decided to get back into triathlon knowing that I couldn't run. I've been enlisting the help of friends to do the run part and we just team up. So I'm still participating in the sport that helped start and that I love and I'm I'm very passionate about. And I have the unique opportunity this year to be an ambassador for USA Triathlon Foundation, which is the fundraising arm of USA Triathlon. My life has come full circle starting this on a whim back in 86 to now representing USA Triathlon and paratriathlon is now an official sport. They made it an official Paralympic sport in 2016. Took quite a while. I mean, it took, what, 
30 years since I did mine originally. <laughs> so it, there was not a groundswell of opportunities for para-athletes early on. Uh, and there were really, you know, even thinking back then, there were no big heroes. Being disabled was not really a cool thing to be. Not that it is now, but uh, it's more recognizable, more acceptable. And we can still see all these amazing athletes out there. And that's part of what I'm doing with triathlon now is uh, trying to inspire other people that look. If you look at me walk across the floor, you're like, this guy shouldn't be in the room putting out an effort at all. But I go out there and give it my all because in my heart, I'm still a competitor. And I still love endurance and pushing myself, even though I'm, I, I start in pain and I end in worse pain. It's worth it to me. It's just a, a nice trade off. The adrenaline that you get from doing what you're doing is sort of counteracts, doesn't get rid of, but it balances out. And so you pain manage with the sort of what you're putting into what you're doing because you can kind of override it mentally that way, I guess. Yeah, it's basically the endorphins. And yes, you know, if you think the, about yeah, it, that's, in, that's the big word for it. Yeah, yeah um, the endorphins uh, or opioids are based on how endorphins work. So it's the natural body you know the body's way to heal and though i get a short window of raised energy and and lessened pain it all kind of comes full circle as that kind of dissipates and i work myself through it but it's so worth it this is what the whole podcast is about this is the happiness it's looking at the positives it's doing things that make you feel good that are happy and you say cats and pets bring you joy it's doing activities that you enjoy doing it's releasing those endorphins it's getting that sort of natural high and you know i you know hear what you're saying about coming off all the medication because because there are so many contraindications. Like it's one of the, one of those words like dynamism and trajectory. I can't say either. Right, right. <laughs> Caterpillar. <laughs> you find that with some words you just can't pronounce them. Come what may. <laughs> But, you know, you get, you, you you feel, I mean, I remember once going through, I mean, this is decades ago, well, yeah, 17 years ago, through and going through a divorce. And I, was like, oh, I think I was living through a breakdown at the time. And my mum said, oh, just have this bit of this diazepam or something like that. And I could feel it affecting my whole body. And it's just like, no, I would rather feel the pain and go through it all because, no, I can, it, I can just sense it. It was like, changing the sort of the vibration of the whole i mean we are just atoms made up of you know the vibration that makes a solid form and so when you're interfering with that you could i can sense it it's like no oh no i don't like it i'm not having any of that stuff Yeah, I was on a, a slew of medications, and I was on that one. And they say that that one, I, I'd been on them long enough that when I stopped, and I stopped cold turkey against medical advice, and I mean, I, it was like a year's worth of hell that I went through. Oh, my gosh, uh, really? Oh, yeah, wow. it was horrible. But I, And I'd done it twice. Uh, but and, and the main reason that I did it was for my family. I mean, it was just you know, having all these pills around the house and, and just being the guy that would take the pill and kind of get droopy. That just was not me. So I took that stand and, and it was worth all the effort that I went through. But I, I do know how difficult it is to get away from that stuff. But I never wanted to, to go back or, or take any of that uh, ever again. It's just horrible. Mm-hmm. Do you use any holistic therapists, you know, like acupuncture and acupressure or go down the sort of the holistic route with any sort of treatments? at all people have suggested that i go and and do acupuncture and (laughs) i don't know that oklahoma city is the hotbed of acupuncturists um so you know it's a niche for you there steve you can train (laughs) you can poke needles in yourself there (laughs) now i do have i do have a cupping system cupping is is very big with athletes now so as i get injuries and my biggest thing is you know i have such a high tolerance for pain it was maybe three years ago i think right as covid hit I ended up tearing my rotator cuff 
And then somewhere along the way, my wife and I are lifting a table to move across the room, and I felt something pop. I had uh, severed the head of my uh, one of my biceps, and I didn't even know it. I'd gone in. I, I'd been scheduled for surgery and had no idea that I'd done this. I came out with another scar, and my doctor said, oh, yeah, you had a your bicep head was completely detached, and I had to go fishing for it down in your arm. And he goes, was that giving you problems? And I'm like, well, I just had to deal with it. I mean... <laughs> What are you going to do? <laughs> He's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you're crazy. But, you know, maybe that's why I'm a triathlete. We just uh, we're gluttons for punishment to an extent. So, yeah, well, I like all the elements, but I've not actually ever done a triathlon. My, par- my partner's done triathlons and done half Ironmans and things like that. But I do open I do swim in open water and I do trail run and I do um, do cycle. I've got a road bike and a mountain bike. And not that we've been out on it actually this year, but we've I've got a, a tur- set up as a turbo trainer as well. So, yeah, I do do a lot of physical activity we did a six mile what's six miles three miles is 5k isn't it so i did 10k um trail run yesterday so that was oh, that was cool. wow that's so. awesome i challenge you to do a triathlon you got all the elements seriously <laughs> yeah, and you know you can, you can do a sprint which is basically a maybe a 500 to 750 meter swim a uh, 20k bike and a 5k run so relatively compact again the thing about triathlon is not the sport itself it's the accomplishment many people are just intimidated by the fact that it's three sports and you know they have to train for three and and it just they do them back to back when you race and it's really again small moves put together coming into that race day and and it all just tends to work out and when you cross that finish line the accomplishment is like it's overwhelming i mean you see people jump across it at the iron man because they know that look what I've done, you know, that's, it's a huge commitment, but it's just so uplifting and, and positive for everything going forward in your life. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great thing. My, my partner did um, in Eastbourne in the UK uh, last summer in 2021. He did the, say, the half Ironman and it was a scorching hot day. And a friend of ours, um, Zoe, she did the full Iron Man, obviously Iron Woman, Iron Man. Anyway, she did the, it was the. I think what they called it the Ironborn because Iron Man's obviously a brand name, isn't it? Oh my gosh, she was run. She was active for about thirteen and a half hours. So it was a sea swim followed by um, the bike and then the run and the heat. Gareth had finished and we'd been back. We'd had a shower, we'd had a snooze, and we thought we'll go out and see. And she's still running. It's like oh my god, Zoe. But she did. I think she came. Did she come first or second? I can't remember. She did really, 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 really well. I've done three half marathons in my time, but not for a couple. Two, when was I think 2019 was the last half marathon. I'm getting slower with age, but there we go. It doesn't matter. But I have been booked in for a race coming soon. You can also connect with your partner and uh, another friend and, and do a team. Uh, and it's just, again, it's all kind of participation and and the people that i've taken to triathlons are like wow i had no idea you know behind the scenes and everything that goes on and you know they're in and out and in and out which is awesome because you get to see so much effort from so many people and it's all walks of life i mean you don't have to be a a sthenic muscular greek god to go out there and do a triathlon we come back to sports though don't we i mean it's the it's the energy it's the drive it's the activity it's the community you've got people doing stuff they're passionate about and it was because of sort of sports the love of sports that's how me and my partner met because we met via an online dating agency it was focused on sort of fitness so you know it's meeting people that are of a like mind your life now then are you very much is is it all to do with um triathlons or do you is is that your what you do all of the time working with people doing triathlons and promoting it is that is that your main focus 
these days. You know, my wheels are just starting to spin in the right direction with promoting my story and, and I'm moving into motivational speaking, another great opportunity to connect with Steve Judge. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I've listened to him, a couple of his podcasts and uh, a couple of his presentations and, and yeah, the energy is awesome. So I want to do that and, uh, you know, continue to promote triathlon. I'm going to be hopefully doing some stuff with USA Triathlon Foundation to get my story out there again it's less about me than it is about the story inspiring others it's really all i've ever wanted to do and it's always been something that has allowed me to push myself because if i can set an example that somebody else can follow and it changes one person that can be a domino effect to many more and that's really if you have a great story that can inspire and you don't use it it's, I think it's a huge waste and a huge missed opportunity to, you know, enlighten the world. Absolutely. And it's very key. That is what it's all about. People want to be inspired by people's stories. And I think, you know, again, that's true of all the episodes that I've recorded on the podcast. I mean, I think I'm closing on 100 episodes now and I release a guest episode every week and one of what I call my short happy clappy on a Friday. Um, <laughs> <I've seen> just, <laughs> just me yeah. rambling for 10 minutes, but uh, hopefully it resonates. <laughs> well, I've had, yeah, I've had some great feedback, which is absolutely awesome. It's all positive, so... Yeah, yeah, it's just about getting people to see that way. And, you know, with with what happened to you to have gone through that, to have actually come through it, come out the other side, and and that really is in quite a short space of time to have gone from that accident to your first race. Four years isn't really, in the grand scheme of things, that great a time distance, is it? Not when you're talking about the weight loss and the fact that I basically was bedridden for three months and it couldn't move when they brought the monkey bar in uh, the trapeze and I worked that I was you know working my upper body when they gave me the the permission to do that but I still wasn't walking and I remember just (laughs) this one moment just to show you how weak I was even in the rehabilitation center they had a sign where you would have to go up and write what you wanted for dinner but somebody had hung it waist high and so I had to stoop and my legs were so weak I just kept going down, down, down as I was trying to write my name in. Finally, I just plopped and hit the floor just because I was so weak. And, you know, it did take a lot of time, but most of it came through when I got done through the rehab center and I was on my own. I really have always been good about pushing myself. And without it, I could have slunk into, you know, popping pills because I had access to every pill in the world at that point in time with all the pain that I was in. You have to choose the high road and, and it is a choice. I mean, I, I kind of <laughs> define myself by a stoic mentality that what you say about me is only going to hurt me if I choose to let it hurt me. You know, it's got nothing to do with how you feel. I mean, that's that's all on you. So No, absolutely. You've used a, a key word there that comes up again, along with we've already referred to intention setting and that sort of solution focused outcome thinking is it's choices we all have choices at every juncture however we respond to things behave speak act think behave whatever we are responsible for ourselves and how we we react and how we behave and it, that word choice is fundamental to everything now there can be a chemical issue going on and and you know contrary to what mr tom cruise may think you know there can be some chemical imbalance that can cause things and, and you know you definitely need to get that looked into but you know just general life and, and bad situations that's that is a choice i mean if you choose to say my house got blown away with a tornado my family survived then there's there's the benefit and there's the blessing and and that's the happy point you know 
screw the house. <laughs> it's a possession. Exactly, you know? exactly. But, you know, it's the personal development. And I, I was thinking about this because I'm working on some stuff myself at the moment in terms of what I'm going to be rolling out with a mastermind and a, and a sort of workshop. You know, happiness is very much a state of mind. You can choose to be happy. You can, it depends on how you want to view it. And you can, you know, I could actually reframe all of my life and go down the very depressive route, you know, if I wanted to. But no, 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 no. We won't, we won't do that. We won't do that. But I think personally, you know, life's an opportunity for learning and what it's, it's the lessons that are presented. You know, you, you won't go out into the middle of a field chopping a tree again. But it's what's now being presented to you, isn't it? I mean, it's taken... All that time. And sometimes it's not about being this overnight success. It's it's that wisdom that comes with time, which is then sort of sunk in that you have got that gravitas. You have got that presence. You have got that story that you can share to inspire. Because unfortunately, in today's age, we are sort of blasted with all this like this overnight success. But people can't cope with this overnight success because they haven't had all those decades of experience to to actually cope with it and manage it because you've you've not got those tools that you haven't done the inner work to be able to cope with the stuff that's flung at you. How do people get in touch with you? Instagram is probably the best way. SP Lovelace on Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can look up Steve Lovelace, inspirational speaker, and I'm happy to connect and you know happy to talk triathlon with anybody and talk motivation. I mean, I I, I live to elevate. You know, if I can do that, I think that's what god's purposes for me anyway so i'm just gonna live the dream <laughs> awesome awesome i'm with you on that one steve i'm with you on that one thank you so much for being a fabulous guest and sharing your story with myself and my listeners i and i say i hope you've enjoyed listening those of you that are listening and if you have please do rate review follow subscribe do whatever you do on your platform and share of course share we want to spread the love we want to spread the happiness we want to spread the inspiration so Thank you again. So obviously it's been Sarah, Jay Naylor, Harnessing Happiness. And you can find me on my website, which is sarahjnaylor.com or on LinkedIn or on your usual platforms. I'm in most of them. I haven't quite embraced TikTok yet. I haven't quite. It's too many. There's far too many. <laughs> I'm trying to keep up with things. It's like, and then you don't know where the messages are coming in from. You go, where did I see that? Oh, 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 it was somebody that sent it me through this. App. Oh, no, I didn't even know they got a messenger system. Anyway, I could go on for another half an hour. So thank you again. Thank you so much, Steve. And thank you all for listening. Take care until next time. Lots of love. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Harness happiness podcast with sarah j naylor if you took value from the content please follow the show on your podcast app and to find out more about sarah's ape mindset visit sarahjnaylor.com that's sarahjnaylor.com